In verse 45, we're going to continue reading. Then David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day the Lord, not David, but the Lord will deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give thy carcass of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly shall know the Lord, save it not with sword nor spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it, and smote the Philistine in his forehead so that it sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. I, I find it interesting that the enemy brings uh, the weapon to David and he brings the victory to David. Uh, therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and he took his sword and slew him and cut off the head therewith when the Philistines saw their champion was dead they fled but that wasn't what was supposed to happen according to the giant that was not what was the plan that was not the purpose of the reason why Goliath stood on that battlefield Goliath thought that his purpose was uh, to beat their champion and that the hosts of Israel would become the slaves of the Philistines. The Philistine and begin to curse David by his gods. Can I tell you this world will let the giant raise up in front of you and it'll offer you God after God after God to try to curse your life by. Oh, yes, you're struggling. Why don't you go ahead and turn back to the bottle? Oh, you're struggling. Why don't you go ahead and slip off to the movies tonight? Hey, you're struggling. Why don't you go click on that tab on the Internet like you used to? And the, and the enemy will try to use the gods of this world in the midst of the struggle to curse your life. But what you got to understand is I'm not out here on this battlefield uh, by myself. I know that I don't look very intimidating, giant. Uh, I know that this little sling and stone uh, don't look much, uh, look like much. But when a God of glory gets his hands on what I can give, uh, and when the God of glory gets his hand behind that stone, uh, and when I begin to give all that I can, he begins to multiply my Hey, God will use your praise, and he'll get a hold of it, and he'll begin to multiply, and he'll begin to go on the offensive for you. We got to understand that we are not qualified to meet the giant. He says, this armor don't even fit me. I'm not qualified to go out on a battlefield. I'm not strong enough, but I serve a God that is. I don't know how to put the armor on. I've never faced a giant quite as big as this one, but I can tell you there is a place back in my, in my life that I faced a giant and I faced a bear. And guess what? God was with me. And I faced a sickness and I faced a circumstance and I faced a life that had no salvation. But guess what? God showed up then and God can show up now. He's the same God. 
I wish you would look at that giant tonight and say, devil, you're nothing compared to the glory of my God. You see, I was once bound with drugs, uh, and God saved me. This little problem that's facing me is nothing to him. you got to go out on the battlefield having some past victories behind you and saying, God, I know you've done it before. I know you've worked on my behalf before, and I'm standing on this battlefield again, not being intimidated, not being turned back, but I'm going to stand on this battlefield and tell the giant how big my God is. Instead of saying how insignificant I am and how unqualified I am, I'm going to get my eyes off me and I'm going to get my eyes on the Savior and tell the giant, hey, you've come against the God of the armies of Israel, the host. He said, I come to you not in the name of David, not in my own ability, not in my own might, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He's so much greater than this one giant. You need to tell the giant how big your God is. As Brother Brock was talking, how he stretched the stars in the heaven, how that everything we have in life he created, that's the God I serve. Blinded eyes is nothing to him. Deaf ears are nothing to him. Sick of the palsy is nothing to him. Can I just break it down? He created the palsy. So he knows how to cure it. He created the cancer. So he knows how to cure it. He is a great physician. There's nothing, nothing, nothing too hard for him. But the devil is all talk. Have you ever got on the basketball court? And this, this guy's got the clothes right. He's got the shoes laced just right. He's got the sweatband on. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He's talking the talk. But then you go up for a layup and you figure out this guy doesn't know how to play basketball. That's like the devil. He's all talk and intimidation. The Bible says he is a roaring lion. Oh, he can make a lot of noise. He can make you feel intimidated. But he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he has to have your permission if he's going to take charge over your life. He has no power unless the power that you give him. The devil's all talking bluster and intimidation, but I serve a God that's greater. I serve a God that looked at that same devil and said, get on out of heaven. You don't belong here. Think about Joseph. As he was taken, jealousy drove his brothers to throw him into a pit to falsify his murder. Then to take him, and one of them had mercy on him and sold him into slavery. And from slavery, he winds up being bought by a man named Potiphar. And in Potiphar's house, he begins to excel and begins to do good. And it looks like, well... Things are looking up in my life, and things are going right finally for once. And here comes false accusation, which lands him in the prison. We know the story as he begins to excel, as things begin to take place, and he begins to rise in the ranks of the prison to where he's keeping, he's keeping the prison. Wow, the one that's supposed to be is away, in charge of all the prison. We know the story as a butler 
and the baker come in and give their dreams and they, they have nightmares and they, they tell Joseph about their dreams and, and, and he, he, under the influence of God and the power of God upon him, he interprets those dreams and he says, just do me one favor, Mr. Butler. When you get back, tell Pharaoh about me. And he thought right there. Life had come to this place to where finally he was going to get out of where he was. And then it was two years later when finally Pharaoh has a dream. And the butler remembers there's a man in prison by the name of Joseph. We look at his life and we can ask ourselves the question, why? Why did he have to go through this? Why did he have to get sold into slavery? Why was he falsely accused? Why did he wind up in the prison? Why? Did all of these things happen to Joseph? And can I tell you today, they all happened for a purpose. That he was at the right spot, at the right time, for God to take his life and put him right where he wanted him. As he interprets the dream, his name is changed and he becomes the second in command to the most powerful nation of that time in Egypt. His brothers come and their father has passed and they're worried that Joseph is going to take vengeance upon them. And Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 19 looks at his brothers and says unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? He was saying, I am right where God intended me to be. But as for you, you thought evil against me. You thought you were taking me down. You thought your purpose was to destroy me. But uh, God meant it unto good uh, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Can I tell you today, every, every accident, every problem, uh, every child you face has brought you to this night, to this service, to this house of God. And God had a reason and a purpose of guiding your life through all the chaos, through all the pain, to bring you to an appointed moment. Everything that has happened to you in life has, been, has led you to the house of God. Everything, why did I have to go through this as a child? Why did, I, why, did I, why did I have parents that were addicted to drugs? Why did this happen to my... God had a purpose and a reason. There's a friend of mine in my home church. If you were to meet him many years ago, you would have met a young boy that didn't know how to speak English. That was placed in a school here in the States. His parents... Adopted parents had seen an ad on the television. They weren't even Pentecostal, but they saw this orphanage over in Columbia. They had these children, and they flew over, and they adopted this young man that was eight years old. Didn't know a lick of English. If you were to look at his, the whole reason why he was in that orphanage, was at four years old, his parents, he, he remembers this. At four years old, his parents were in turmoil and his father was abusive. He remembers his father taking hot coffee right off the stovetop and pouring it on his mother. And there was abuse in the home and there was fighting constantly and beatings constantly and he would go run and hide in his room and try to escape the pain. And, uh, and finally his mother said, we've got to go. We've got to get away from this 
abusive place. She takes them, separates from the father. And late one night, the father breaks into the home and kidnaps this young boy of four years old. Takes him on a high-speed chase throughout the town that they lived in. He winds up going into a convenience store and holding up the place with a gun. The cops are called and they're taken into custody. This young boy could not remember the name of his father or his mother. The father would not say anything. He said, if I can't have him, I don't want his mother to have him either. He was in this orphanage for some time. And a rich man came by of that local community said, I'd like to take him for a weekend and see how he fits. And he says, I remember that I got there, and it was just him and another man, and some things happened to me in the midst of that, that weekend that I, that I will never forget. The scars that were attached to him. But all of that was leading him, Brother Frost, to a moment where there was a man from our church that knocked on his door as a teenager and said, why don't you ride the Sunday school bus to church with us this Sunday? And they brought him in as a young 14, 15-year-old young man, and he received the Holy Ghost. And God began to work in his life, uh, and God began to help him. And now he's in our church, and he has a family, and he has children. And God had a purpose for everything that he went through in life. Why are you here today? You may ask yourself, why am I even in church? Because God purposed it. Because God had planned for you to be in the house of God. God led you through the chaos of life to a plan of salvation. God has brought you through every battle and every struggle for a reason. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 8 says, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. They looked at that fiery furnace and they thought the purpose of that furnace was to destroy these stubborn Christian young men. The enemy thought that the purpose of the furnace was to put an end to any other worship that didn't praise the gods that they were serving. Your situation will tell you the same. The whole reason why... My, that circumstance is facing you is to make you backslide, is to make you get bitter, is to make you to, to get offended and to fall out of the church. Uh, can I tell you that is not the purpose of the fiery furnace? For in verse 27 says, the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Can I tell you the fire has no power against you. Neither were their coats changed nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they may not serve nor worship 
any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Revelation went off in a king's mind that was lost that said there's only one God. Why am I going through this? So that person on your job can see there is a God. That's that, that person on your that you're connected to can see there is one true God. But I love this. Then the king, after the fire, after they went through the test, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The furnace was not there to destroy them. It was there to bless them. It was not there to destroy. God had a purpose for the furnace. It was there to prove that there was only one true God and no one can save after this sort but him. It was there to change the words of the king. That circumstance is there that when you come out on the other side is pure gold like Job did. You can look at the devil and say, you told me I was going to fail. You told me that I was not going to make it. But you better take your words back because I've come out on the other side of the fire as pure gold. I've come out on the other side of my trial. And now I'm blessed. Daniel 6 and 6 and says, 6 and 6 says these, then these presidents and princes assembled themselves together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors, the princes, the counselors, and the captains, they had everybody that was anybody, have counseled together. Have you ever felt like all the devils in hell have had a meeting and they're hitting you full force? Now we've come together. To establish a royal decree. I want you to hear the wording in this. It sounds like a lawyer writing this. A royal decree. And to make a, make sure you put this in writing, a firm decree. That whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for 30 days, save thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree. There it is again. It's not going to change. We got to get this in writing. And sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. They remember the fiery furnace. They're like, there's no way this one's getting out. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing in the decree. I like what verse 10 says. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he quit praying. He quit going to church. He looked for every excuse he could not to, not to show up to the house of God. No. It says he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to, before his God as he did aforetime. How am I going to get through this? You got to keep on praying like you've always prayed. Just keep on doing what you know is right. The enemy, the enemy's intention they thought their purpose was to kill Daniel's prayer life. Oh, the enemy has done that to so many people. But that's not the reason he's there. That's not the purpose of the trial that's in front of you. You can't stop praying. 
you can't stop coming to church. Don't you stop worshiping. Don't you stop responding to the Holy Ghost. Don't you stop responding to the preaching because my God will turn it around. My God will turn what the enemy meant for evil and bring it to good. Verse 19, then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said, Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God. There it is, revelation. Is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angels and has shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not hurt me for as much as before him. Innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the lion's den. So Daniel was taken up out of the lion's den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. How am I going to get through this? You keep on believing in your God. You keep on trusting in him. Oh, the purpose of the lion's den was to destroy Daniel. It was there to kill Daniel. And the king commanded. And they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces forever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my king, uh, kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel for he is uh, the living God. And steadfast. Hey, this is a sinner that's saying this. This isn't a Pentecostal preacher. This isn't someone that knows who Jesus really is all about. But he is saying, and steadfast forever in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in the heaven and in the earth, who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this, Daniel prospered. In the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The whole reason why the lion's den was there was to destroy those who opposed Daniel and his walk with God. Why is the trial here? Why is the test here? Why am I facing this circumstance? Is when you get through this trial, when you get out on the other side, it's going to have a destroying effect on your enemy that is trying to get you to walk out and to walk away from God. It was there to change the decree. The decree that was never, never supposed to be changed was changed. Revelation of the one true all-powerful God took place. Deliverance for Daniel. And Daniel was blessed and prospered. Why am I going through this, Brother Boggs? Maybe God's just trying to bless you. Why am I facing this, this giant that is so big? Maybe that God is trying to give you a great blessing, a big blessing. You just keep on believing and you keep on living for God. I want you to think of Jesus. God robed in flesh. Torn away from the Garden of Gethsemane. Put on trial. Found guilty. And is hung on a cross. The enemy thought the cross, that the cross's purpose 
was to kill Jesus. But God had a different, a different plan for that cross. Yes, there had to be death that took place. But the whole, the whole reason why the cross was there is so that he could go to a tomb for three days. And after those three days, so that he could rise back up again. Uh, can I tell you the whole reason uh, for the purpose of the cross was so that we uh, could find salvation in our life. Uh, that we could be filled uh, with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we could be baptized in the only saving name, the name of Jesus, whose blood was shed upon that cross. Aren't you glad there's some people in your Bible that face their giants, that face looked their giants straight in the eyes and said, I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be shaken. I believe God is able. I just want to establish just in case you don't, you don't quite get this. God is sovereign. He is self-existent. There's no one that stands beside him or above him. He is sovereign. Nothing happens without his approval. Even the devil had to come to, come to God say, can I, can I test Job? Sure, you could test Job. He had to get a stamp of approval first. That giant is in your life with God's permission. But God has a purpose for that giant. You see, what you think is a trial, what you think is a test, what you think is a circumstance that's trying to take you down is really a trap for the enemy. Think about the Red Sea. Historians say there was a rock wall on one side and a cliff on the other. The Red Sea in front and Egypt on, on, on the back of chariots and on horses, armor glinting in the sunlight behind them. And they begin to complain and say, why don't we just go back to Egypt? Because there looks to be no way out of this. And I can see as Moses is standing there and God's speaking to him and says, tell my people to stand still. Everything within me is telling me to run. It looks like there's no way out. What do you mean stand still? He said, stand still. Egypt's on the way. Hold your peace. Egypt's Almost right where I want them. You see, God had a purpose for the Red Sea. Stand still. They're getting a little closer. All right. It's the perfect moment. Moses, stretch your rod forth over the sea. And the sea opened up. They walked through on dry ground. And it was the perfect moment when the last Israelite, feet, their feet hit on the other side of that seashore. That Egypt was right smack in the middle of the Red Sea. And God said, Moses, close the sea with your rod. And the, and the sea closed upon the enemy. You see, the people of God thought it was there to destroy them. No, it was there to destroy sin. It was there to destroy the enemy. Saint of God, you've got to look through not your physical eyes, but start looking through spiritual eyes and start saying, God, I don't see it, but I'm going to walk by faith, and I'm going to believe that this giant is here for a reason. I want you to walk away from this place and every trial you face from this moment on, you don't, you're not going to get intimidated by it. You're not going to get stressed out by it. You're not going to get worried about it because there's a God that has purposed it in your life. But I can see as Goliath was being trained, being told when he was handpicked that he was outgrowing all the other young men in his class, we're going to make you a champion. We're going to make you the strongest of the strong. 
you're going to have a purpose for the Philistines. One day you're going to be our champion. One day you're going to come against the armies that we can't, we can't seem to destroy, and you're going to destroy them. That he would bring victory to the Philistines. But God had a different purpose for Goliath. And Goliath stated his own purpose. He said, if we win, you shall become our servants. But if you prevail, we shall become the servants of your people. The purpose of the giant was this, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Not just from that moment, but two over 2,000 years later, we're still telling the story that there is a God in the midst of your trial, that there's a God in the midst of Israel. The purpose of the giant in your life is to give you victory. It's not to give the, the enemy victory, but it's to give you victory. The purpose of the giant is to give glory unto God. David's received the victory in the battle, but God received the glory. I received the Holy Ghost, but God received the glory. I received the healing, but God received the glory. Goliath was not there to secure victory for the Philistines. He was there to ensure victory for the people of God. The whole reason why the giants in your life is to ensure that you get blessed on the other side of this trial, that you get blessed on the other side of this battle. The enemy is a liar. The devil is a liar. He will lie about his purpose. He will tell you that his purpose is to make you backslide. His purpose is to make you bitter. He'll tell you that his purpose is to make you offended and disconnected from the church. But can I tell you, the enemy's purpose uh, and the whole reason why you're going through what you're going through is so that you will be blessed uh, on the other side of that trial. You say, Brother Boggs, you don't, you really don't know. Got a pretty big giant in front of me. There's a family from my home church. That their child was born with a kidney. Both kidneys were defective. He fought for his life. In the beginning few moments and months of his life. And finally, they were able to, to transplant a kidney. And they thought that their worries were going to be over. And something about this kidney, his body rejected it. And they were in the same boat once again. This was about when he was about four years old. Going through life on dialysis. Finally, another kidney is offered. And they put it in. And his body begins to react and give him an infection. And they finally go in and they find that there is a cyst that they didn't know about that was growing on this kidney. Another kidney rejected. The doctors finally told them, we're going to still try to look for a kidney. But you just better be prepared that your son's not going to not going to live past the age of 16. They didn't complain. They didn't murmur. I never saw them, Brother Frost. I never saw them come in with their lip dragging on the ground. But in fact, I saw their mother service after service dance and shout in the front even though her child had been given a death sentence. His father that was playing music on the platform would disconnect his guitar under the moving of the Holy Ghost and run laps around our sanctuary even though that giant was facing them. And because they were faithful to God, God was faithful to them. 
And there's a young man by the name of John that is 32 years old and has a working kidney. And God made a way where there seemed to be no way. In the face of the doctor, in the face of the giant, in the face of the circumstance, God made a way. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. The more powerful the situation, the greater the victory. The more terrible the problem, the more glory God can receive. I want you to look at your giant differently today. Sickness, you're not here to destroy me. You're here to receive, for God to receive glory. No, Goliath, your purpose is not to destroy me. Your purpose is so that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. That is your purpose. Your curse will become a blessing if you will stay consistent. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn around for good. Don't let the giant keep you from church. Don't let the giant keep you from prayer. Don't let the giant keep you from worshiping God. Don't let the giant keep you from hearing the word of God. Consistency is a giant killer. A solid walk with God is a giant killer. Daily prayer is a giant killer. Unwavering faith is a giant killer. Uninhibited worship and praise to God is a giant killer. I've come to tell a saint of God, you're not a victim. You are the victor. I'm dancing on the trouble that's been troubling me. Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know that all things were to, yes, the bad, yes, the trial, yes, the giant, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Get your eyes off the giant. Get your eyes off the trial. And get your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. Get your eyes on Jesus. Keep on worshiping. Keep on praying. Keep on reaching out. I touched on this the other night. I don't know how it's going to happen. Don't let the how outweigh the can. Don't, don't let win. I don't know when. Don't let the win outweigh the can. You just got to know that God is able to make a way where there seemeth to be no way. I don't see it. Well, I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. I don't understand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. When you understand the battle is the Lord's, there's a revelation that happens. When you understand the battle is not your battle, but the battle is the Lord's, then there's an understanding, hey, hey, I can come in and worship God because it's not my battle. It's God's battle. It's not my fight. It's God's fight. And so I want to be the best cheerleader in the middle of the fight that I can. Come on, God, you've got this. Come on, God, you can deliver. Come on, God, you're able. God has never lost a battle. He's never been defeated. Come on, you can win in Jesus' name. Hey, I can shout before the walls fall. I can call on the name of Jesus before the giant is slain. I can worship before the chains fall off. I can shout before my enemy is destroyed. I can shout for revival. 
even if I don't see revival yet. God gave David the victory. His sling slew Goliath. Your dance will crush Satan under your feet. The God of all glory will crush and bruise Satan under your feet. It's going to be your worship. It's going to be your consistency in your prayer life. It's going to be you keeping on coming to the house of God. That's going to bruise Satan's head. That's what's going to get you on the other side. Murphy's third law says this. For every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. Let me just talk about it in spiritual terms. If I do the expected If I just keep on doing what God expects me to do, then he will do the opposite. He will do the unexpected. But then comes the equal. How bad do you want God to move? How bad do you want healing? How bad do you really want to see your children back in the house of God? Oh, I wish I could preach right now what I feel. You've given up on them in your prayer life because you don't see a way they can come back. But how bad do you want them back? Then you got to start acting like they're here. And you got to start doing what's expected so that you can receive the unexpected. I don't expect them to walk in. Yeah, just do the expected and God will take care of the unexpected. I can lift my hands and thank God tonight because I know he's able. Oh, come on, could you let it be God's fight right now? Can you come to this altar? And I don't want you to come with an intent uh, to wrestle with the devil. I want you to come with the intent to just worship and praise your God that is able to win the battle. Oh, come on, your victory is secured. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. I've read the back of the book. Saint of God, you win. You win through every test, through every trial, you win. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. Oh, come on, Saint of God, can you believe it? I'm going to see a victory. I don't see a way, but I will. I will. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next Sunday, but I will see a victory because I'm going to keep on believing in God. Saint of God, you're gonna make it through it. Come on, you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. What you're doing right now is how you're gonna make it. As you lift your hands and surrender and say, It's not my 